0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. I am your host, Miguel, here with uh, Charlie and Haley. How are you, ladies?
1: Doing well. I was like, who's going to speak first? <laughs> You'd think by now we would have nailed this whole, like, you know, three co-host thing, knowing when each other are going to speak, but apparently not.
2: <laughs> no. Well, I'm also doing well. I'm also doing well, so there we go.
0: That's good. All right, well, if that is a taste of things to come, I am sorry in advance, but I'm sure we are just getting it all out of our system. Anyways, I am so thrilled about our topic today because uh, today we're talking about something that is something I think about kind of often. And I think we beat around the bush on this one a little bit on our podcast. And we've touched on certain things about this. But today we're talking about, we're kind of, looking at influencers versus, you know, independent creators and how things are sort of like shifting in that direction towards being an independent creator and less about this idea of you have to amass this giant empire of followers. And that is the key mm-hmm. to success as a creator on social media and, you know, things like that. So before we, we dive into it, are there any sort of issues about this that, that, that come front of mind when I talk about that idea of not needing a giant like wellspring of followers, we've talked a little bit about it before about the mm-hmm. thousand true fans thing, and this kind of like talks a little bit sort of in that direction. So, I'm wondering, Charlie, I know that you obviously you have several like a couple, a little over 200,000 followers on your YouTube channel, so you kind of have a nice wellspring of following that you've cultivated over time. So, would you say that you are an influencer mm-hmm. at that point, or you are not quite? That you're just somebody with a lot of followers? Interesting. I mean, what, where would you put yourself?
1: So um, I don't know if you said yet, but like we saw this, this article on Fast Company that was about, right, the independent creators versus, versus influencers. And what I found really interesting about this article, and maybe we can go through these four pillars that they laid out, is that they sort of have tried to define what an independent creator is versus an influencer, which is, like you said, something we've talked about mm-hmm. a lot on this show before. And I think looking at their definition... I am definitely trying to be more of an independent creator than I am an influencer. And I don't think, I think I'm in this weird middle ground where my audience isn't big enough to be an influencer, you know, in the true like influencer sense. Like I think, I can't remember what number episode it would have been now where we talked about it, but I think every creator has influence. But influencer, quote unquote, as its own title, is definitely <laughs> something that some some people go after and like, you know, intend on being and that is very different from being a creator as we define it. But yeah, I related to these four pillars that it said. So I don't know, maybe we could go through them.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get to them. But I kind of wanted to set the stage a little bit. So one of the reasons I think that is more a little bit more appealing for the the normal sort of influencer, I mean, sorry, independent creator is a little bit more tenable to do it this way is because, you know, if you're trying to build a business on something, you want kind of firm ground Mm -hmm. and there's something inherently sort of shaky about building your business on on the idea of this this algorithm that is determined by things that you don't have control over. And you're constantly kind of like shifting and trying to like navigate down this river that is an algorithm. And you you never quite know what's coming. Obviously, a few weeks back, we had that outage, mm-hmm. the Facebook outage. So Instagram, Facebook, those things were just gone. So bye bye algorithm <laughs> at that point. Bye bye. A lot of people didn't even yeah. have bye bye platform, right? So people were just kind of, you know, and I heard stories about people that just didn't do business mm-hmm. for those several hours because like it was just gone. And then there's just this reality of obviously, we talked about this as well, which is this sort of content treadmill where you're feeling to of you constantly mm-hmm. post in multiple pieces of content, sometimes in a day, in multiple different places, not just in one platform. Many people will be on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And then at the end of the day, the financial reward for all that work can sometimes not be what you hope for. So talking about that, you mentioned the, these four pillars of independent creators. So let's start with the first one. And the first one is owning your audience and mm-hmm. content. And we've talked about this idea of owning your audience before. Can you tell me a little bit about that, Charlie, and what that means exactly to own your audience?
1: Yeah, to me, it means that I can get in touch with them no matter what the platforms are deciding to do, right? Like Instagram's down, Mm -hmm. that's okay. I can still reach my audience. And it also means that I, it's like sort of platform agnostic the way in which I can reach them too so I'm not relying on only one certain platform in order to reach them and so I would say that like obviously I'm going to say this because I work at ConvertKit but obviously an email list (laughs) is a great way to own your audience because I have everyone's email addresses right yeah like I could choose to move them to any other platform. I could choose to like literally take an email address and send them a direct message through my Gmail account if I wanted to, you know, because I have that information and that information is not something that, a term that I really liked in this article, they called it big social. That's not something that it gives you. It's like, wow, we're at that point where we're comparing these social media sites to like, you know, the big pharma companies.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, their influence is far and wide much like a Mm -hmm. pharma. So I suppose it's a fair comparison.
2: I have thoughts on this. For those of you who are viewing on, you're watching this live, you'll notice that I took a brief, I ran Uh out of my office. That's because my dog was out front. Uh, So I had to go get my puppy that was out front. So I missed a little bit, but I'm back friends. So on this first pillar, the one thing that I think is really important to highlight or to note about email subscribers or Substack or whatever it is, you know, when it's somebody that's signing Mm -hmm. up, like these are, are your actual true fans. We've talked about this before, but I follow thousands, maybe not thousands, but a lot of people on Instagram and I'm a casual follower of those people. I'm not a diehard fan of any one of those People that I follow on social media because I just don't care enough. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, okay, I'll follow you. Maybe I get notified, maybe I don't. Whereas when I give somebody my email address, it's a very private place that you're inviting someone into, right? So I only invite people into my email that I really, really, really want to hear from. And so one of the things that we've we've said at at conferences or just kind of use this as a general like rule of thumb is that an email subscriber or subset, whatever, you know, they're worth a dollar where a social follower is worth 25 cents, right? They're, the value of them is, is, is far less than somebody who actually subscribes to you via email. And the percentage of people that actually purchase from you, if you sell something, you're going to have a higher percentage of people that purchase from you through your email than you are through your social media following It's from like a percentage of of following, right? So you might have 50% conversion rate on email subscribers and a, you know, a 25% conversion rate on social. So it's just, just a note there.
0: Yeah. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to reference that later because there's something about one of the other pillars that kind of touches on sort of this idea of like, you know, comparing the worth of a follower on one place as opposed to another. So yeah, we'll definitely get to that. But in addition to subscribers, it's also, I like this idea of owning your content as well. So creators can own their content in different different ways. You know, you can have subscriptions. You can have memberships, they can do tips. So you have different platforms that do things like this. Uh, You can have recurring memberships through things like Patreon and stuff like that. Tips is something that actually we're launching here at ConvertKit as well, which is pretty fun where you can directly support somebody and send them a tip, you know, buy them a cup of coffee, that kind of thing. So that's super cool. So Mm -hmm. the idea that you are owning your content, you're owning your audience, but then I'm not saying do away with social media because they're bad. I'm just saying, don't rely on it as like the centerpiece of your business and the way that it's constructed, but more as like a a feeder or a funneler to your business. So this is like it's just a tool to bring people to where you actually want them. Don't just stop and have the conversations and have the interactions on say Facebook or Instagram. Certainly have them there, but lead them this way.
2: I'm curious on this. Why do you think that is? This is my thought on this. I think that. The way that social media or the way that influencers like were created, right, is like advertising, right? You know, so you think you have 100,000 people that you're following and that person has access to 100,000 people. And so advertisers are going to support that person, right? But then the algorithms actually control that. So the engagement rate is low. But having said that, why do you think it is that people prioritize social media as far as like that. Is that a vanity metric? Is that purely just like because that's the way that our society, like everybody looks at things like they want more, more and more of everything? why do you think that we care so much about those vanity metrics versus caring about the metrics when there's just so many different studies and articles and teaching on the thousand true fans model, right? Which I know has been slightly, you know, a lot of people have thoughts on it, but why do you think we care so much about that? Do you think that it's because of the idea that you can only have sponsorships and sponsorships is the real way that people actually make money if they're let's say an influencer on instagram or maybe a podcaster right and they have so many downloads what's what leads to this
1: i think it might be a little bit of a like it's feeding itself you know like the monster is feeding itself in a way And that <laughs> yeah first of all miguel what you said about like social media being the feeder i think is another like difference between an independent creator and an influencer is when it for an influencer social media is the end point like it is the product of the main thing they produce
0: mm-hmm. whereas
1: an in- independent creator is trying to connect with people on social to tell them about thing they're working on, a book they're writing, an album they're creating, a course that they're developing. I don't know. There's something else to it. And social media is sort of like a means to an Mm -hmm. end. It's not the end itself. I think that we have so many influences because quite frankly, it looks like a fun life to be paid to go travel around and stay in fancy hotels and get free stuff all the time. Like... That's inspiring to a lot of people who want those things and who see that, see these influencers as having that stuff and see that influencing is the path there. So, like, I just have to get the numbers big enough and then the free stuff will come. Mm. But again, it's that mindset, right, of thinking of social media as the end point, which is very mm-hmm. different from an independent creator, which is seeing more from that and perhaps like, Mm. I don't know. I know a lot of influencers and I'm not saying that they all, I'm not saying influencers are bad or anything, but I think that independent creators are trying to build something that's bigger than themselves. Whereas for an influencer, it's just all about themselves.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think also that is like two sides of the coin. So one of it is like the face value and what you see and you, like you mentioned, Charlie, this idea of, oh, well, wow, this person gets paid to If it's like a travel blogger or something like that, this person gets paid to go to exotic places and have these beautiful experiences and meet these amazing people. And wow, what a great life that would be. And then obviously that's just what you're seeing. But then the other reason, I think, to answer your question, Haley, is that with a, a platform like Facebook or Instagram for a creator, it's this idea where you have this instant ability to plug into those networks. Yeah. So it's like the easiest, shortest mm-hmm. route to just like, mm-hmm. how can I multiply the effect of what I do, what I say, what I make, the quickest way, the fastest way, and the places where people are. So where are people? People are on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I can make a post and I can multiply. People can share, or if you're on Twitter, you're retweeting. And then I'm not the only one talking about it. And eventually that's essentially what virality is, right? Is people start doing Mm -hmm. the marketing work for you because it just blows up. And even if Mm -hmm. things don't just blow up, I mean, even if it's a modest reaction, it's still multiplying effort. And it's still just that instant ability to connect with people. With cutting out the middleman, and you know, before social media, there was just media. And if I'm going to get on there, I have to direct a commercial, produce commercial, buy airtime. Hopefully, people watching TV because that's where eyes are, not computer screens. Hopefully, someone will watch my commercial. Someone will learn my clever little jingle about my business, and then hopefully, hopefully, that's how I'll sell more (laughs) X, Y, and Z. But now, with you can just cut through all that and just immediately reach people. So that's I think that's part of it.
2: Yeah. I think another thing to note, though, is that, Charlie, is that I see a lot of influencers becoming creators, Mm -hmm. right? And we've talked about this, like the differentiation between the two. But, you know, a lot of people are influencers because let's say they're funny or they're thought leaders, right? Or whatever the case may be, or they live a lifestyle that people like watching, right? Whatever that is. What I see is that it becomes a wasted opportunity when you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that are invested in what you're doing. Right. And that would end up, let's say you're a designer. Right. And you primarily work with independent clients, you know, or whatever. I was thinking more of like a home designer, but whatever, you know, (laughs) but then you're an influencer and you're influencing the way that people want to design their homes or whatever interior designer. And then you decide that you're going to create your own line of wallpaper because you have all these people that love what you do. So you end up becoming a creator in, in a slightly different way to kind of better or like essentially monetize your audience a little bit differently. So, I mean, there are thousands of different examples of that, but I think that that's one of the missed opportunities for the influencer community oftentimes is when they don't take advantage Mm -hmm. of that because their followers would buy something from them, but they might still be relying on different types of income streams, right? Like a sponsorship versus creating their own product. I do think that that's when you start to see influencers kind of Push the bounds a little bit of what they're able to do. And then that's when they really start to become independent creators. And that's ultimately when you start seeing them, I think, realize the importance of owning your own audience, right?
0: Absolutely. You know, and that kind of leads me onto this next pillar, which is what we're doing here essentially is comparing the idea of, okay, how do I get the most amount of people to look at what I'm doing? Which you know, kind of is the key that unlocks the success behind an influencer. And then the other idea is, well, what if you don't need a bunch of people, then you can paint with a less broader stroke, right? So the idea of, it kind of frees you up to be a little bit more niche and a little less broad. So the idea isn't, how can I cast the widest net? And we talked about this before with the thousand, you know, true subscribers before or 5,000 true fans. Mm. One of the things that I thought was interesting about this article is they were talking about this report. In the report, it said that in order to earn $1,000 a month, someone on Substack needed 229 subscribers. Someone on Patreon needed 224. And of course, these are averages, right? And then on Instagram, for that same amount, 100,000 and then 2 million monthly YouTube views on YouTube. So you can see how that scales up and how much bigger that number gets depending on the platform. So on Instagram, for the same amount of money, I need 100,000 people to follow me as opposed to getting 224 mm-hmm. Patreons, I think is what they call it, right? So it's just, it just shows you kind of like that scale, that sort of like exponential amount that you need depending on what platform you're on and how you're trying mm. to reach people. And I thought that was super interesting because I guess in my mind, I always just kind of had it pretty close to being a one to one. But this talks to what Haley was talking about, where depending on the platform, you know, an email subscriber is worth a dollar as opposed to 25 cents on somewhere else.
1: And this also points to the that whole feeder thing, right? Like maybe you need that 100,000 Instagram followers mm. in order to get the 224 Patreon followers, right? Cause not every single person who follows you on Instagram is gonna sign up to your Patreon. I don't think that's an exact one-to-one. Like I think I have, at one point I had around that and mm. Patreon supporters, I've like trailed off Patreon over the years, but I had definitely mm-hmm. have never had 100,000 Instagram followers. So, you know, it's not exactly this, but I think it, it shows that feeder mm. concept, right? Where social media feeds towards the other things.
0: Yeah, I don't think any of it exists in a vacuum, mm-hmm. right? I think definitely those substack numbers and that Patreon number is that didn't just happen because it happened. Yeah. They I'm sure they promoted themselves somewhere on places like perhaps Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. So the idea, like like you pointed out, Charlie, is to kind of lead people to the place where it's happening. And a place like Substack is a place where it's kind of like more your area, you know? Like you have more control over the levers of what happens in Substack. Yep. As opposed to Instagram. Instagram, you are beholden to what's showing up on people's feeds and what's refreshing and what's being presented to people. There's just there's so much that's out of your control depending on what s- social media you're using.
2: Yeah. Like Ben said, ultimately, I look at Instagram as just a top of the funnel thing. Same as TikTok, right? Top of the funnel. And certainly there are ways that you can monetize your Instagram, right? Following like that absolutely exists. But as far as really niching down or really getting like the attention of the people that are your truest fans, um, it's for sure a funnel, top of the funnel. Yeah. Tool.
1: Maybe this is why when you asked Miguel at the start, like, which one am I? -hmm. Where do I feel like I fall into this? I feel like for a while with my YouTube channel, I was just in more of the influencer mindset, right? I didn't have a product that anyone could buy to support me. I like wasn't doing a whole lot of other things. I was I was just making videos and I don't wanna say just cause I feel like that's valuable <laughs> in and of itself. And it took a lot of time, you know, but now I'm like, I'm working on a book and I'm hoping that my YouTube audience will translate to book sales, right? And that the audience I've built there will be the people who are the right audience for my book as well. And I can be feeding things that way. I don't know why I felt like bringing that up now, but that's just what came to mind as uh, as why I found that hard to answer was because I feel like I don't have all of the boxes ticked for independent creator yet, but I'm getting there.
0: Right. And then if you think about it, the way we interact with social media, many different ways to interact with something that's presented in front of you. I could like it. I could share it to a friend. Mm -hmm. I could save it for later. Some of them have a bookmark option like Instagram, I think does too as well. So depending on what we do with that content is can be very different. So I can't tell you how many times I've seen something, it struck my fancy, and I thought, oh, you know what? So-and-so, this made me think of somebody. I'll send it to them on Instagram and see what they think, Mm -hmm. and then it helps me spark a conversation with them like, oh, hey, remember, or maybe it's like to a a show to an artist that we both like or something like that. So the idea of how you interact with things on social media doesn't necessarily mean that it translated to a sale. It was just maybe a small piece that sparked a conversation between me and my friend, and then it just devolved into something else and it wasn't even about that anymore. But the reason I bring that up is when you have a more targeted audience, you're able to market to them. And when they're interacting in a place like Substack, where you are, it's more about the community of people that have those interests. And if that interest is you and what you're doing, that's great. But in a place like Instagram, just because it's on Instagram and it was liked or it was shared, that doesn't necessarily mean that it would translate it into money or or a sale for you. (laughs) So people can just leave a comment or like it and then move on. So how we use these platforms and how we connect with other people with that stuff is probably much more important. I think. I don't know. I rambled a little bit there. So I I hope I made my point.
1: No, no, no. I get where you're going. And I think there's, um, like Melanie said, that um, sharing is valuable in and of itself, right? Getting people to share your content, that's filling the top of the funnel and it's expanding Mm -hmm. the top of the funnel. So it's still worth it for a creator to have someone share a post on Instagram or like recommend that a friend follows them on Twitter because it could mean in the future when they are pitching a product or like, I don't know, if that person gets brought on and and becomes a fan, it's giving you more opportunity to lead them down the funnel. To talk about it in like really cold business terms, but you know. That's, that's reality, right?
2: That's true. I also find the most people that I, or like pe- new people that I follow are usually by people sharing their posts on stories there we go. versus let's say the discovery channel, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like I virtually never go to that discovery channel or like, you know, on Instagram and look at people's content that i like, I'm relying on my friends to share something that I want to see. And that's why I spend more time on stories than anywhere else.
0: Yep. And, um, There's actually this idea of how we interact with stuff actually kind of leads us into the third pillar, which is cultivating communities, not audiences. So an influencer needs an audience to be successful. They need, that is the backbone of what they're doing, right? But as creators, I would say that cultivating a community is far more valuable than just having a a random audience. So let's break that down a little bit. So through something like Mm -hmm. memberships and subscriptions, a creator offers for their community the community and their members, you know, more opportunities to engage, more events to attend. These are all aimed at bringing the group closer together. It's not just about buying my thing, it's about you all interacting with each other about the thing, which is way different than just people who are tuning in to see the thing that I'm doing this week.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I liked about the description was that a community has its own energy. Whereas an audience is more like they're a group of people who are all waiting to see the next thing that you do. Whereas an energy like is a thing in and of itself. And I don't think that I would define a community as just something that is a paid membership or subscription or anything like that. I think I've seen loads of creators build communities around their content and it generates more true fans, right? Because people can feel that sense of connection to the other people in the audience more so than it's just like, oh, we're all here to see see this latest post or whatever like that. If a creator can generate conversation and make people feel like they're a part of something by following the creator, by interacting with their things, then that leads to more for everybody involved. Honestly, I think it's more valuable for the people Mm. who are watching as well in that sense.
2: I think that that is actually one of the best things that Facebook has done, right? The Facebook is good at a lot of things and not great for a lot of other things. But I think that one thing that Facebook does really, really well is it allows people to have conversation inside like private community groups, right? That are centered around memberships or whatever the case may be. I don't particularly love Facebook for a lot of different reasons, (laughs) but that's one thing that I think it does exceptionally well. I think it's just, it's a great place for a community of people. Like if you're in a private group to kind of foster and really get to engage with one another. And they've been at it probably more, you know, longer than anyone else has. So it makes sense why they're good at it.
1: I guess what I'm saying is I don't think it even has to be like a private thing that you choose to join. I think that a creator can build community simply like even in the comments of their videos, you know, like by having Mm. in-jokes that your audience Mm -hmm. is in on. Like I think of a lot of podcasts that I listen to where I feel like I'm a part of the community, even though I'm like, I've never joined a Facebook group or like paid for membership or anything like that I went to a live show for example of My Favorite Murder I don't know if any of you have listened to that podcast oh um, yeah Miguel I'm sure you've, you've talked about your wife being into true crime so I'm sure that you've ended up hearing some
0: yep I've heard it in the other room a lot
1: Yep.
2: Have not heard this one, but I love true crime podcasts. You're going to
1: like this one. It's a big one. And yeah, I went to the live show and it did being there, even though like I went with a group of friends who all listened to the podcast as well. So it was like a fun thing to do together. But also just, you know, being in a room full of other people who like this same creator, you know, like these creators, like this show felt really cool and it felt like I was a part of something. And so, yeah, I think there's, there's that as well, that you can build community even without having a community noun if that makes sense (laughs) and that
0: community affects how you consume Mm. the content right would you have gone to that show alone maybe probably not right probably not but the idea that there's this community and these and these people that you know Mm -hmm. that always happens like most people probably don't get one ticket to a concert right most of the time you're like who's gonna go to this thing with me and then you you reach out to people Mm -hmm. that either you like it oh see i don't know okay i'll open it up to dissent after i say my point which is The idea that most of the time you jog your mind for who do I know also likes this or who do I know would Mm -hmm. also like this. So I'm either Mm -hmm. inviting Mm -hmm. someone into this niche group or I'm just using this as an excuse to interact with someone in this niche group. Now, okay, Haley, tell me how you go to the movies alone by yourself all the time. (laughs)
2: <laughs> the, yeah, I was going to say this is more of just a personal thing, but I think that experiencing things alone is really freeing. Like the most recently I went to Japanese Breakfast alone because they had a <laughs> Tree Fort Music Festival here in Boise. And it's just like a freeing thing to like be there and be doing something alone, but in community with a bunch of other people that maybe you don't know that you yet. all enjoy yeah. <laughs> yet. Right. Yeah. Rather than relying on like, I don't know, somebody next to you. This is a person I'm not, I actually am not disagreeing with you in like, you know, 90% of the time, Miguel, I think that's accurate, but I just, I would encourage people who have never done this before to go do something alone because then you're not like relying on a friend to be your crutch, right? Then you can go meet somebody that actually is really invested in the community that you're looking, you know, that you're trying to be a part of or that you want to be a part of or that you are a part of it's just a suggestion
0: which is just another version of community i would say because you're at the end of the day you're not going to a place to have japanese breakfast in a cubicle by yourself there are other people there you might strike up a conversation it's still a community event and it's still social in some respect so <laughs> yeah
1: i think you're both arguing the same point just like where the community comes from is different
0: <laughs> damn it Haley, we're both right all right <laughs> I do like going to the movies by myself. Just throwing that out there. So good. Anyways. Love
2: doing it. Alejandro asked this question in the chat and I wanted to bring it up. Do you think it's important for a creator to participate in community before creating one? Ooh, I like that. I would say probably yes.
1: But I also think it makes me think, should we get someone on this show who is like an expert in like community noun with a capital C building to, to go deeper mm. on this? Because it seems like it's something that the team is interested in. I love that idea.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Another app that's really good right now for creating community is Clubhouse.
1: Is it really good right now? Yeah. Is it? No, you don't think so? I mean, are people still using it? That's my question. I haven't opened
2: it (laughs) for like six months. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) I recently reopened it. Okay. (laughs) And I was surprised to see how many new people in my contact list had joined. Okay. So I think, you know, Barrett on our team, he's no longer with no longer with us on our team. He's still with us alive. (laughs) Uh,
0: Jesus. he,
2: He was really heavy into Clubhouse for a while. And a lot of people said that that was an audience or a place where it was allowed the fastest growth, right? Of all of the social channels, you could grow the fastest on Clubhouse during 2020 was that 2020 or 2021 i don't know anymore but all that to say i still think when i have been a part of like a really engaging session on clubhouse i've really enjoyed it and it's one of the apps where i say, i would say i have felt the most connected to a group of people i don't know in the last six months
1: or so i feel like i'm feeling the way about clubhouse that you do about twitter where you're like i just don't get it man <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's true. Like I said, I've been, I've been locked out of my Twitter for quite some time for- There's a social
1: network for all of us. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> there is no one size fits all as far as social networks are considered. Also, you know, it's a different medium too. I mean, it's an entirely different way of interacting mm-hmm. with people and content. So, I mean, you know, just cause it's not for you or you don't understand it, that doesn't mean it's not great. I've dabbled in Clubhouse as well, and I thought it was pretty cool. Admittedly, like Charlie, I haven't opened it up in a in a while, but I'm not the most socially networked kind of person anyways, as we've talked about before. But I want to make sure that we at least try to do a, a decent job at kind of answering Alejandro's question, which is, I mean, I know we we kind of all agree that, yeah, you probably should. I mean, we can at least agree that it would be beneficial to participate before creating, you know kind of like follow a little bit before you consider yourself a leader. I think generally that's good advice. I don't think it's necessarily true. I mean, there could be value in just saying, mm-hmm. screw it, I'm just going to create a community and lead it the way I think a community should go and we'll see how it goes. And I mean, whatever. I would just say like, try to be nimble and you know, a community that has its own agency to kind of evolve and grow or whatever and is not overly moderated, I think is the ideal situation but maybe we should get Haley on here, the other Haley, Mm.
1: because
0: she does community for ConvertKit.
2: She would be awesome for that. Yeah, for sure. Love it.
0: So if there are no objections, (laughs) I will move on to the fourth and final pillar. The last one is building network effects, not content conveyor belts. So this is a little bit mentioned before, but the idea of kind of like creating a network, creating a community that is kind of self-sustaining, and it's not something that is completely beholden on the next time you drop some new content. Mm. And I think that's very much a, a contrast to the influencer versus independent creator. I think an influencer is probably only as relevant as their most recent things that they've done. True,
1: but it hurts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's not necessarily true for a creator, especially if you have built a community around fans and people that like what you do and what you make. It's not about the latest thing that you've done. So this goes back to that question that you asked before, Haley, about like why people use social media. And it's exactly for this reason. It's to plug into those platform networks, to build these communities to kind of get your content and your community to kind of do some of the heavy lifting. So that way it's not all on your shoulders. It's not all on, I gotta drop a video soon before you know the algorithm forgets about me or my fans forget about me or whatever.
1: Yep, and this ties into, I mean, we did an episode recently about the content hamster wheel, right, the conveyor belt is, Kind of mm-hmm. just another, maybe brighter way to say it, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I see this and and for me as well, this is why I can't confidently say I'm fully in the independent creator bucket is because I do feel on that conveyor belt of hamster wheel quite a bit. And from reading here, what, what they talk about is that the idea is not just to like feed the social media sites, but to be building an online hub, a primary place for yourself. And you use the social media sites to get people to that hub. That's something I haven't done well and that I want to work on more with my website. I feel like I've kind of done this with the Inside Marketing Design site with the release of my new show that we talked about. Was it last week? I think it was. That that has access to all the episodes, the podcast, the job board, the newsletter. Like I'm trying to make it the thing that people can go to and get value from even when episodes aren't coming out because they can search for old ones and things like that. But I think I need to do that for my main site as well so that I can do this network effect thing and not be Mm. on a conveyor belt. Yeah.
0: You know what that makes me think of? I always try to bring it back to this. And in order for me to ground my mind in this idea of so much about the creator community is happening on the Mm -hmm. internet. And some of it just so not physical that I feel like I like have this world built in my head that doesn't actually exist. So I try to like ground it in real world examples. So I try to tie it to this metaphor of like a real time. Like we talked about this before, like a real life coffee Mm -hmm. shop. So like, okay, so if I was just a person that I roast coffee beans at home and I just show up at farmer's markets around town, it might be a little bit of difficult for me to, when someone says, hey, where can I get your coffee? I was like, well, it depends on the day. (laughs) It depends on, you know, the, the season, if the farmer's market's even happening. Maybe it's too cold outside, so the farmer's market's not working. So, this idea of leading people to where I am is a little difficult, but if there's like an actual place where I have a coffee shop and I cultivate this coffee shop to be a place where this is kind of like where the community hangs out, where you know I can support local artists by letting them put things on the wall and maybe I have a gallery wall where they can sell their stuff or maybe you have an open mic night or whatever, you're doing something to kind of like stoke community mm-hmm. and make people wanna be here. I love
2: this coffee shop. Yeah. I want to go. Where's this coffee shop? I want to go. <laughs> they have open mic nights at a gallery wall. I love gallery walls, Charlie. Well, yeah. And like the whole idea
0: is to cultivate community. And it's almost not even so much about getting the coffee anymore. Yeah. It's about what getting the coffee represents. And it's like an ex- the coffee becomes an excuse to do the other things. Mm that sort of like let this community happen. And that's the big difference between, I think, if you're using social media as a way to funnel people into your quote unquote coffee shop, then you have a place to direct them to. And that place that you're directing them to is a place where you have more control over what's happening. And you can cultivate kind of a sense of community around a small group of people, as opposed to I got to get this in front of as many faces as possible, as often as possible, you know, whatever. And you're kind of sacrificing the community for the numbers as opposed to the other way around. So I just try to think of it that way. I just try to like think of it as like a physical space. What would you do if it was a physical space? And yeah, there's some nuance in there because it actually isn't a real space, but.
1: I love that, Miguel. I love that analogy. It also made me think that as much as Haley was talking before about how influencers are missing out on an opportunity if they're not thinking like creators and and taking their work off the social platform and building something bigger. I think that as creators, we can learn a lot from influencers too, right? On Mm -hmm. filling that top of the funnel, on getting as many people to know about our coffee shop as possible so that the right ones who wanna come to it and participate in the open mic night and look at the gallery wall so that they can find us. It's kind of like a numbers game to reach those thousand true fans, right? You can't guarantee the first thousand people you meet or like come across online are gonna be the ones who are like, yep, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm buying your subscription to your Patreon, (laughs) et cetera. You've got to, you know, get more than that to narrow down, like we said, because of the funnel. But yeah, I think there's a lot that both creators and influencers learn from each other.
0: Beautifully said. And just to recap, these four pillars are own your audience and content, go niche, not broad, cultivate communities, not audiences, and build network effects, not content hamster wheels.
1: And that all sounds great.
0: And that all (laughs) sounds pretty great. Are there any other shout outs that we need to do before we go? I think that pretty much wraps it up for us
1: today. I think so, yeah. Like I said, I really like this definition in a way. Maybe it's something we can keep, you know, talking about and thinking about as well, because it is, you know, the creator economy is still evolving and, this is just one person's definition of it from this article, and we can still all right. define it for ourselves. So we're always keen to hear from anyone listening your thoughts on this if you want to wanna reach out to us on various social media platforms that we are active on, then please <laughs> <don't> do so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Haley, do you have any uh, announcements on um, creator sessions? Maybe some sneak
2: peeks? Our next creator session that's going to be released is with a woman named Joy Aladakun, and I think she is like easily going to be one of the most influential female artists of the next decade. So watch out for that. I know that's a really big statement, but it's not just me saying that. So it's you know, it is weighted quite heavily, but for sure, watch it. I think it's a really special episode. Joy, a lot of coon, So that'll come up next.
1: And if you subscribe to this YouTube channel that Future Monks Creators on, you will see that in your feed. So you should do that. Awesome.
0: All right, ladies, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for coming on and indulging me and uh, contradicting me on my views of doing things (laughs) alone i will see y'all next week and thanks for joining us have a nice week bye bye -bye. thanks for listening to this episode of the future belongs to creators if you enjoyed it be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week and while you're at it leave us a review on apple Podcasts. we'd love to hear what you think of the show If you wanna join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern.
1: This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.